yeah, welcome everybody who's listening now. Uh, this is uh, Kylie Hatton and myself, Wolf Papst, uh, for a podcast for the International Academy for Leadership because we are doing a communication seminar this week with international group of participants, communication, strategy and skills. And um, Kylie and myself, we are going to talk a little bit about what the topics were and what, what our insights and finding during the weeks this week are. Kylie, would you like to start and introduce yourself a little bit? Thank you very much, Wolf. And once again, it's been a pleasure working with you this week. Um, it's a great honor to always come to the Academy to meet with our colleagues, but also to meet with colleagues from across the world. As Wolf mentioned, this morning's um, this week's seminar has very much focused around communication and the key aspects of communication. And I think one of the first things that Wolf and I touched on was the importance of having the of understanding the context within which communication happens. Um, in terms of the world that you're operating in, that you're operating in an environment where there is constant, uh, there's constant competition for people's attention. The way in which people are communicating has changed quite dramatically. Um, and this was one of the first focal points that we started, uh, the, key set, the key aspect of this week. I think one of the things that I found particularly um, at times interesting but frustrating is, um, is a misplaced obsession with populists and populism. Um, in some of the discussions that we have, because as we discussed this week in our conversation, the key argument to make is that one, our job as liberals is to have better arguments, to have, con to have positions, to have, be clear in what our brand is, to be clear in our strategy, and to make sure that we argue much more effectively and efficiently, that we do not shy away from the issues and that we accept that we are going to have to be part of the political debate and the conversations in our society and we spent some time discussing how we could do that in terms of developing a brand hmm. and a value proposition. Yeah, that's true, Carly. I, I fully agree. And um, I think the, the decisive thing that we start from is, is our value basis that as liberal, we also start from a liberal value basis and um, all the kind of techniques and strategies we discuss, they always relate to our fundamental beliefs and values. And we would not give them up for winning, but mm -hmm. we, we have to make sure that we, we are looking for techniques that we win on the basis of our values, which I absolutely believe is possible for liberals. And we have many examples in Europe, but also in other parts of the world where liberals managed to win on the basis of their value basis. So it's also a bit of a myth that it's not possible. Uh, it is possible and we have to be better than the populists. And I think one of the things that we very much can take is the importance of being clear and concise in the messages that you want to get um, across. It's very easy to become obsessed with the intellectual debate and the importance of the power of your ideas when in actual fact you lose the opportunity to have the conversation. And the key lesson for me, particularly when we're working in a society where people come from very many different backgrounds, they have many different languages, is that the simpler your language, the choices of your words, the clearer your idea is, the more effective you can be. And this also is an issue for many of the people we work with because they may not necessarily operate in environments where the communication environment is free. And then there is even a greater responsibility and requirement to make sure that, the, that you've thought through 
what is the key values that we want to communicate about our organization, what is the messages that we want to develop and the key strategies that we want to develop, and then how do we implement that in a way that is that is that makes a connection with the people that we are wanting to um, engage with and who we're wanting to support our particular cause, and all the time thinking about how can we make that as realistic for people. Um, often the, I make the joke that people think in one, two, three, many. Once you get beyond the number three, people battle with the ideas um, to understand these big concepts. And we've spent a lot of time this week looking at how we can simplify the messages, obviously without making them, without losing the complexity and the importance of it, and also at the same time making it so that people can relate to them and understand um, understand them in their daily lives and relate with them in their daily lives. Absolutely. I think that's, that's key on how you design your messages in order to be properly understood and recognized. And um, uh, I think that's a special challenge sometimes for liberals because um, we often do not have the most simple solutions. We um, often have very good solutions i personally believe but um, but they are uh, as they come from a liberal value basis and this whole philosophy of liberalism is behind it sometimes it takes a minute to explain them mm -hmm. and to put that in a format that can be communicated well uh, that's uh, understandably it's a, it's a, sometimes mm -hmm. a challenge and we wanted to help also in doing what you said yeah to without simplifying it making it more simple and understandable um, and uh, so you can convey it. I would like to bring in another catchword that is very important for me, and that was also at different parts of the uh, the seminar. Uh, uh, I think a important uh, consideration that's a, the word of relevance, um, and that's about what you're talking about. Mm. Um, so also your choice of of themes, and then we later on also talk a little bit about the issues that was. Uh, differentiation we made during the week um, but uh, overall what we talk about needs to be relevant so people feel that it matters for them and when we when we make that when we when we manage that we talk about relevant things we talk about something that matters for people and we do it in a way that people can easily understand it i think in terms of general concepts we are on a good way of course the question is how do you do that and we went into those uh, techniques how to do it during the week As we are talking now about what to start from and the context, um, I think it's also very important that we mention that all this communication does not just happen in an empty space or you just do not start off from here, but we, we need a certain um, background for it. And the background is, for example, an overall political strategy that you have, that you know how am I going to win my election campaign or my battle that I take or the struggle in which I am or to grow my party. So for these things, you need a political strategy, which is more than communication. And based on a proper strategy, which is a slightly different topic, but based on a proper strategy, you can build up your communication and your communication strategy. And I think for me, the key thing about having a strategy is, is that our automatic default is always to go to what we do. It's always to focus on the tasks. I'm going to put out a media release. I'm going to do some tweets. But what underpins it, and I think is so important about having that strategy and having that conversation about the strategy is 
Why are you doing it? For what purpose are you doing it? What are you seeking to achieve in your strategy? Because then that will guide everything that you do. I think we've mentioned it quite a few times, especially now in a world where you have so many different competing media platforms, the absolute importance of being clear about why you are communicating to particular groups, on which particular platform you may be choosing to engage with them on. And all of that is underpinned by that strategy that says, this is what I seek to achieve. This is why I seek to achieve it. Therefore, based on that thinking, these are the particular platforms I'm going to use. These are the particular ways I'm going to engage with my relevant target groups. And I think with us operating in an environment where often we just want to dive in and get moving, I think for many of the people at the seminar, they've seen the benefit of spending a little bit of time reflecting and understanding the context within which you operate and doing that environmental scan, understanding why you're doing it and critically making those choices. Because ultimately, strategy is about making the correct choices that are going to guide, therefore, what you're going to be saying. Absolutely, because that will tell you where to focus on and what your priorities are. So with a limited set of resources, you achieve as good as you can what, what, what you do with it and, uh, and you get closer to your, or you reach your goal, your strategic goal that you have set. Therefore, it's, um, it's absolutely necessary not to do everything, but to do the right things Great. and to, to concentrate on them. I think part of the, the strategy is also at least a communication strategy when we link it to build up a powerful brand. And that was something we also discussed. Absolutely. And I think for me, a brand, as we discussed in the, in the seminar and as many of us know, is a brand is not the slogan. It's not a it's not um, a, a particular look or feel. It's much more. About, it's much more than that. It's about that consistent story. And I think the key thing for me is that it's about that connection. It's that consistent story that is told over a period of time. And that most importantly allows one to connect with one's viewers. And we all, we made reference and many people know it is that it's not what you're going to do, it's why you want to do it. And that, if that comes through in your brand strategy and the way you approach the brand that you seek to communicate, you have a much greater chance of success and making that connection. And I think one of the things that always, particularly when we have the um, honor of being in an environment where there are multiple different cultures, uh, you know, cultures, thought approaches, all of those different things, is the importance of, of compassion in the way in which we communicate. And, and that compassion, I think, once again, goes back to that issue of connection, is that you are always seeking to build that connection in your communication. It's to not to talk about how bad the other side is, but to talk about how you are going to make the benefit and the change for the particular group that you are seeking to talk to. And that, I think, is underlined by a sense of compassion for the human connection. Especially, I think, it's important for liberals because we are often accused of being um, unconcerned with, the, with that aspect of humanity. And I think more and more that has been in those conversations we've had is that it's it's very easy, actually, to find the messages that liberals have that can resonate, that have that connection and that compassion. True. And again, we have a special challenge, as you said, for liberals, because our liberal thinking is often very much ratio-oriented, mm. rational, mm. Uh, which is good when we are looking for solutions, but which sometimes is 
a bit difficult when we want to make a connection to our audiences. So there we need to make this emotional connection mm -hmm. and there our brand strategy and our brand will help us and will answer the question how we are going to make that emotional connection. And mm -hmm. it's something we also discussed in our seminar this week and we basically built on that for all the other steps mm -hmm. that you go through. Um, for the more practical steps of communication, we always relate it back to this emotional connection, which again is based on your values with which we started. And I, th and I think for me, that's the, the key takeaway always is that it's, you can't just go out there and just say stuff. That's when communication is wholly ineffective and actually irritates people. It's having that underpinning str strategy and strategic insight that makes you think, why am I doing this? Because that also, I think for me, and when one talks about social media, which is always an is issue of interest for people because it's perceived as such a, um, such a scary medium to be engaged with, is often a decision is about when not to communicate. And your strategy also helps you guide you that says, this is the moment when I'm going to choose not to engage with this particular role player. And when we had some conversations around issues and how one identifies issues that are relevant, that make that connection, one of the things that one makes that decision based on is, well, will it serve my overall objective if I engage with you? And often one makes the decision not to engage. And that is just as important a strategic decision. Because we stay with our strategy. Correct. And we hope that the politicians that represent our organization <laughs> or party, they also resist the distraction yes. and resist sometimes the... Uh, the opportunity to talk into an open mic when it's not on and I, and, it, and and I think that what the message that you bring across there so importantly is that it's about discipline is that once you is that strategies are effective when one is disciplined about them when one continuously refers back to one's actions and says my longer term objective is here and therefore I'm going to do this and that requires you to make those hard choices and then to stick to them mm -hmm. and of course sometimes one would make the argument well I I've, this is my decision to do this now and that is a strategic choice that's actually tactics and your tactics have to be guided by your strategy because nine times out of ten we will tell our principles that we work for not to speak on a particular issue not to take advantage of the open airwaves mm -hmm. true Then another larger area of, of, um, uh, of our program was uh, to talk about what is actually the media and um, how do we deal with it. And uh, we did also some analysis. We, we tried to understand or get develop a common understanding of what media is. And of course, uh, nowadays, uh, we discuss that uh, in particular in the context of digitalization mm. uh, versus the so-called classical media, um, which means press, radio, TV. We went a little bit into that. We tried to, um, to understand better how they work, what the differences are. We also analyzed the different media and access to media in the different countries of our participants. And uh, it, was, it was clear we uh, also used the Reporters Without Borders Index to have a look on where they are standing in terms of press freedom. It was clear that the situation is quite different. Nevertheless, many of those conceptual things, um, like having a strategy, uh, like being aware of your, what your brand is, what your value proposition is, and then developing communication activities from that on that basis, they seem to be true for digital media, for classical, and they seem to be true in more difficult environments, also 
uh, like in when we do with when we when we work with free media. And I think this is one of the things that sometimes perturbs me when one has an obsession with social media, is that exactly the same principles that one applies with what would be called the classical traditional media applies on social media. So there is no necessity to get oneself completely worked up about um, this is the new platform. And I think the big takeaway for me from the, the week, the discussion that we had about what is the media, what is the media environment, how is it working, is that successful media players are no longer one platform organizations. They have become multi-platform organizations. They don't only print a newspaper, but they also have potentially have a podcast. They have an online offering. They potentially do uh, uh, newsletters. So they've become a, a media, a, a media uh, house as opposed to just a platform. And my suspicion is, is that that is... That is, a, that is something that has a, the best chance of success because obviously people, aren't, people are still consuming content. The way in which they are consuming it has changed dramatically. And of course, as people who are wanting to get access to those content platforms, we need to be thinking about that. Um, and once again, it goes back to our point, and we sound like we're repeating it, but there's a reason is, is that our decision about which platform we engage on is driven by our strategy and what we're seeking to achieve with it. But I've, that was, for me, the big takeaway from our conversation about the media environment is that one will have the greatest, those media houses that are responding to the environment, becoming multi-platform and trying to find a business model that, has, that is able to be sustainable into the longer term are likely to be the ones that are going to be um, much more successful. And this, once again, the same principles for me that, that would apply when one dealing with the traditional media applies also with the social media is that regardless of who you are engaging with, the key fundamental principles of courtesy and professionalism apply. It does, you know, there is no benefit in getting into a Twitter spat um, with someone as there is no benefit in getting into a spat with the editor of a newspaper or something like that. Um, Generally, it says more about the person who's on the other side of the of the fight than it does actually about the issue that they are having a conversation about. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, you have your strategy, which means you know what is on message and what is not, and uh, you keep that also no matter whether you are on a newspaper or on radio or you are on Facebook or somewhere else. And um, um, still, of course, you vary the way in which you present and communicate your message. Of course, you use different wordings, pictures, videos, whatever fits to the media and the target audience which is behind because the media is always only a tool to address the target audience that is behind it. Um, and our strategy will also tell us which kind of media is more important for us and which is not so important because from our strategy we will know where where is the audience that we want Correct. to reach and um, uh, how can we communicate with them about um, issues that really matter for them. Um, so, yes, that will be adapted, but it is basically still one strategy that, um, that, we, that we apply. Um, I, I think it was interesting to see the development that you described. We saw it um, in talks with journalists from South Africa, but also we saw it when we made a visit here in Cologne to a publishing house, um, that uh, some of these trends seem to be fairly global. But mm. what we, I think, also saw and what is also reflected in our program is that 
Uh, of course, digital media, uh, digital media are, are constantly growing and constantly getting more importance. We also see from um, political campaigns that they become more and more uh, relevant uh, instruments and reach more and more people also, of course. Their reach um, also increases. But still, the so-called classical media are, are not that. And uh, again, when we for certain target groups, they are still very important. And so we also... Discussed and we we trained how we work with classical media. We did um, uh, practical things uh, uh, like interview trainings. We discussed about how to get in touch with journalists, how to deal with them. That was also an important part of our of our program. Mm. And I think if I could just go back quickly to the conversation about the changing media environment, is that your strategy will say to you one of the frustrations I have is that. And or, uh, is that sometimes organizations think, well, I must have a Twitter account, I must have an Instagram account, I must have a LinkedIn account, I must have a YouTube account, I must have a Facebook account, I must have a Snapchat account, all and all, all these accounts. And it, once again, you know, it goes back to the discussion we've had, which is that if your strategy wants to target um, 60 year old people, 60 year old people, then you will know because trends show you that Facebook is actually the right platform for you to be on, and that Snapchat is actually targeted at the group from 18 to 22, as an example. And it's not about having access to all of the platforms, it's once again about identifying which one, because each of those platforms is another mouth that you have to feed. And I think, but, and then the theme that comes through in our conversation when you talk about the skills that one needs to have that engaging with journalists, when we did training around uh, public speaking, about being in interviews, about being in debates, is that the same principles that would apply on one platform generally apply on the other, which is about being clear about what you're seeking to get across and how, um, and how you communicate says a lot about you. I think the thing that I was left with yesterday when reflecting on the session around public speaking is that your body language tells as much of a message about what you're trying to say as the words that are coming out of your mouth. And it was interesting to reflect with the participants how unconsciously we send messages about the way in which we behave when we're on camera that we are sometimes not even aware of. And so the benefit of seeing oneself through the eyes of a viewer, for many of the participants, I think was very helpful to remind oneself of the potential messages one is sending completely unaware. Absolutely. That um, was also a discussion with, uh, within the group that, um, that I work with. And uh, it was also interesting to see that, uh, of course, there are also cultural differences in your expression, in your body language in particular, but still there are also some common elements uh, how you... Uh, come across convincing very convincingly or uh, what shows that uh, could show that you are somehow insecure so there are some gestures mm -hmm. some uh, way of behaving in front of an uh, audience or camera uh, which uh, interestingly across cultures uh, have similar meanings there mm -hmm. are differences as well but that I think was also interesting um, and you know the same and going back about recognizing that there are going to be very few opportunities that we have where we're going to get 20 minutes to be able to digest and discuss an issue in great detail. Most of the time we're having to communicate in short bite-sized chunks. And so it's important to be clear about exactly what you're wanting to say it and being able to repeat it in different ways to the various different audiences so that your message comes across. Yeah, and I think one of the key 
catchwords here again is also to be professional because we found in our group, but also when we are working with others, um, usually there are quite high expectations towards press and the media. So I have something interesting to say. Now, why isn't it the headline in the newspaper? Um, and um, uh, often when you look into the detail, you see, okay, But is it really also relevant for the reader, what a newspaper right. has to ask? Is it interesting for a journalist, mm. a piece of information? Is it uh, well prepared and offered in a format that is easy for the mm. journalist to, to accept it? And in the end, when we're talking about the interviews, it's the same. Like you said, is it easy to, uh, to, to broadcast it? And uh, does it come across? Is it professionally mm. um, um, presented? Uh, so those are all things you can work on, and uh, we 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 discussed how to do that, also how to practice a little bit, to use opportunities to um, to improve, and um, and so you can increase your chances to to be present in the media. Absolutely, and I think the the session that um, I find I always enjoy having conversations about because. Often communicators are called in when there's a crisis. Before then, they before then we're we're put in the back room and we're not really allowed out until then. And then the second a crisis arrives, we're always we're always asked to solve all the situations that have suddenly arisen. And I think it's always when one looks at the issues around crisis communication, it's always absolutely critical that communication is not is not just something that comes out when there is a problem. If you are going to be effective as a, an organization in, in getting your message across, your communication team is a key part of your organization's leadership and strategic thinking because that will then give you the ability in the heights of a crisis at short notice to be able to get the organization's view across fast and quickly and effectively, which are the key tools that one needs when one is going to do effective crisis communication. Um, because often you are sitting in a situation where there is less knowledge than one would like to have. You are finding out information in an unfolding manner, but because of the nature of the 24-hour news cycle, although now I like to think of it as the 24-second news cycle because of the demands of social media, for example, you have to be able to get out um, your information as quickly as possible. And it goes back, uh, I feel a little bit like um, I'm repeating something again and again, I'm banging my drum for this, but it goes back to my point always is that it is absolutely critical for you to have a clear understanding of what you want to say, but most importantly, why you are wanting to be saying it. And even in a crisis, how one responds to a crisis says more about your organization and its value propositions than anything else. Because, for example, if you are an organization that trumpets openness and transparency, but the second that a crisis hits, you say to the media, no comment, this is a crisis, it's a confidential manner, you completely undermine months and months of good work in terms of building the reputation of your organization and how it works. So even in a crisis, it is always important that the person who is the spokesperson for the organization is able to say with confidence key things because they understand all of the strategy that goes behind it and the leadership of the organization also has that clear view that goes through. Absolutely. But repeating, actually, Kylie, is something that we also discussed during <laughs> the seminar. Many times. <laughs> and we said uh, that is one of the key communication skills to repeat your message, not exactly with the yes. same words, but the content again and mm -hmm. again so that you really come across. So I think there's no, no problem doing it here again. 
Um, the crisis communication uh, was one special situation that we also discussed mm -hmm. in our seminar. And um, yeah, as you described, uh, the question is how you deal with it when we look into um, real situations with politicians when they were in a crisis or political parties. Um, often the, the, the greatest part of the damage comes from how you deal with the crisis right. and not from the incident in that South. started Absolutely. the crisis. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's um, not, it's, it's hard to understand, but um, I think it's also our, our reflex. So it's like uh, you have been in the kitchen and stolen some sugar mm -hmm. and um, the mother comes in and you, the first thing you say is, I didn't do it, yes. although you, you still have it <laughs> in your hands. I mean, this is what we learned from an early childhood mm -hmm. on. And uh, I think sometimes politicians don't get rid of that. So <laughs> the first thing you would say is, I didn't do yes. it. And then, it and then when the evidence is clear, uh, you would say, yeah, but I did it for a greater good. I did it for a good reason. Uh, yeah. uh, or you said, uh, somebody else told me to do it or something like that. And that is exactly the opposite of we what we suggested. So um, to limit the damage of the crisis, uh, be open with it and, um, and, uh, and don't, don't uh, even make it more severe by making up things and, uh, and increasing the damage the crisis could do to you. Absolutely. Um, and I think, I think one of the ways in which one helps us deal with that, that automatic tendency, that reflex response to say, oh, no, it wasn't me, is actually to do scenario planning for crises, mm -hmm. for crises. And to say, in the event that our organization was found to have done this, or an employee did this, or we were confronted with this situation that was unexpected, how would we respond? So that, e so that you have worked through in your own head the potential scenarios and the potential responses because it's then able you can almost create some templates that can guide you for how you respond in key moments obviously you tweak them you understand them but it can help you think a bit more ahead as opposed to just in the heat of the moment going oh my goodness what should we say because you're absolutely right the worst incidents have become crises because organizations have responded poorly mm. to them Cool. Thank you very much, Kylie. I think that was uh, interesting to exchange with you again about mm. all those subjects that we covered in the seminar. And if now somebody who listens to us feels like joining into this discussion, maybe we see you one day in one of our seminars and we can continue um, this thinking about communication strategy and skills together with you. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much.